Hannah's just drink pre-workout. Let's go. <laughs> Cheers. It is 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are now going to talk about The Lord of the Tides, part two. I loved it. What did you love so much about it? Mm, I loved how it felt like it was from the future. I know that time jumps were a thing that we were worried about going into the series, but they've become something that we couldn't avoid. And instead of it being something that wasn't good, it's turned in, they've, they've turned it into something that is part of the flourish of why it's good. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt like to me that this would be, if you were adapting a bunch of books over the course of a season, which a lot of recent, honestly, things like sci-fi and fantasy um, adaptations have done is mix in multiple books over the courses of seasons. And depending on the budget of those shows, some of them are on networks like HBO, some of them are on networks like Hulu or something, and they get less attention. And they have to go a long amount of time in a short amount of time as far as a TV show is concerned. But for us, coming from the age of everything that was big was mainly only ever adapted to be a film and you're dealing with three hours instead of 10 hours that five hours for each book ended up being okay ended up being fine good enough sometimes it was way better and that's one of the reasons why we were so all of us were so blown away by game of thrones because it was an adaptation that did that for for this to be able to cram as much time in a tv show that's going to be under so much scrutiny for how well they execute whatever their idea is because it's following up Game of Thrones and the way that that all ended uh, for it to be turned into something that is part of the reason why it's all good which I think you could say is personified by Viserys's character and how his character ends completely but also just used in making us like these characters way more than we should after only these amount of episodes. The small looks that Damon gives throughout the episode mm-hmm. and the way that Renera is just being without speaking a lot throughout this episode. You can really feel the growth of them and, and it feels like you grew with them over the course of these eight weeks. It feels like we, it feels like we really did grow with them and for them to be able to adapt something that does span a big amount of time but also doesn't have as much details as a lot of those things that would be adapted or people would want to be adapted, like I was describing before, have, because I'm thinking about adaptations from regular books. This is not a regular book. Fire and Blood's not a regular book. So it it was kind of an extra challenge, too, because you have to make all these people something that's worth pointing a camera at or make all these people at least something that's good enough to for us to care about the passage of time on them and how they portray it. And so all those things were accounted for, thought about, and blocked for, and put into the script. And it looks like there's little payoffs that are yet to come, things like the mysterious element with Princess Rainey's and the Godswood and Helena, Laris stalking around wherever he is with the Dragon Dream in general. Um... It's spooky and weird. That's one of the promises. But just knowing that we're in good hands as far as people covering the basis of stuff that would make this uh, 
be pulled off. Like you pulled it off. And I think that's what everyone thinks about hot D. And I think that's getting really hard to do these days mm-hmm. with TV and movies. And so good for them for pulling it off. And really cool to have an opportunity to give a stage to people like Patty and a lot of the other great actors that have been on the show. Um, it makes me wonder how many other undiscovered people are out there. Not that they were undiscovered, but not on a stage like this before when they, if given the opportunity, could do something as cool as how Viserys was in this episode. It was cool. I mean, it was really sad, but it was just a cool thing of acting. Everyone calls it Shakespearean, I think, mostly because of the imagery that's attached to it mm-hmm. and the fact that it is so visceral. And it feels, I mean, obviously it's from that sort of age and he's literally wearing frills at one point I when know. he's in the bed. So I think that's sort of being implanted in us, but just the execution of it and the uh, committal to being that person, committing to dying like that and those little looks, mainly that last look at the table, that hollow completely full at the same time seeing nothing but also seeing everything the past present and the future all at once and then the music swells up man that was that was one of those things where i talk about did they do something cool with the filmmaking uh what they did with the filmmaking there was they created something that if you you could start probably 15 or 20 seconds before that happens but if you watch that 45 seconds of the music you're gonna feel sad or nostalgic and maybe even tear up or completely cry what did you think (laughs) (laughs) i completely agree with you 100 percent. and the whole especially round two of watching rewatching, just soaking up everything that patty was doing at all of king viserys just soaking every moment we had in with him knowing what was to come at the end of the episode because first watch around like i said last last week in denial until <laughs> confirmed that he's actually gone just because it was such a huge presence and it's not clear that he's dead it's just not clear i mean other than the fact that the trailer if you've seen anything die that's what it looks like <laughs> yeah well in the trailer and in the after the episode but right so exactly yeah. so that's why when the episode closed yeah. i thought to myself maybe this isn't the end last week i but, get that but I, I bet some people would probably be would maybe listen to this podcast and be like, maybe that's a spoiler. I didn't know he was dead. I would have been surprised at the beginning of the next episode or something. No, I think we were so heavy with it on our episode on Sunday because I had the same thought, remember? But, you know, either way, more fully understanding that we're at the end of what he's trying to do. Although, looking to the future, his words and his wishes... And the interpretation thereof will continue to play a heavy role in the next two episodes as we kind of deal with the fallout of A, his passing, and B, Allison's interpretation of Viserys speaking to her when he thinks she is somebody else. So So his last thing officially was the Lord of the Tides Driftmark situation. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. People saw that decision get made. So what you're specifically talking about is Rhaenyra in succession, mm-hmm. maybe, based mm-hmm. off of her potentially misunderstanding mm-hmm. what Viserys was saying. Upon our second viewing of it, I didn't under- misunderstand anything he said because we had the captions on. <laughs> and so it was way less confusing to me. And I feel like there's way less of a chance that she misunderstood him. Well... Again, I had captions. Sure, right. So I understood what he said, but also me being able to read it, 
it's pretty clear that he doesn't know what he's saying. And so there's nothing that she could take out of that to think it's a sign. Other, the way than, that I a- see it. other than him saying Aegon. She did. Which he, he did say it, but she would ask him about it and then he didn't confirm. He didn't answer that. No, he but. He didn't answer that. Two, one, all those memes that were like. All of this could be solved very easily if they just all had different names. Like, why do they yeah, have to name true. their kids the same thing? Completely true. Well, that would definitely be solved. But he very lucidly, well, he clearly at least says the North, what happens in the North, the prince that was promised, what he saw in the North. I mean, that has nothing to do with their kids. No, but from, he's very clearly hallucinating, probably. But she's not. No, but look. He's very clearly hallucinating probably throughout the course of the last however many months. And so I'm sure this isn't the first time that he has said things to her You're that she's off screen stuff misinter- to defend this theory. Well, I'm not trying to defend it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> so what do you think? You think that she for sure is going to use this as some kind of a, a lever to pull to move forward with an idea? A hundred percent. Especially, I mean, the next... God, the next suck. episode is called The Green Council. Mm-hmm. So, and based off of the trailer, I think the biggest question is is not if she's going to use it, it's who is actually going to believe her and who's actually going to oh, You think she's other than the go pe- that far? She's going to say we talked and he said this is what he Oh, wow. Whoa. It's in the tra- isn't it in the trailer? I haven't watched the trailer. God. <laughs> like, what-, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god Allison what the heck so my question is we got a lot to talk about Allison I know well okay saw so, you again in this episode <laughs> my question Continue, is please. then just who then is going to based off of what you're saying really truly believe and adhere to other than the people that are already just looking for any sort of in you see obviously Otto and all of her squad and you see that conversation between Damon and Rainer at the beginning of this episode talking about Vaymond Rainer asks is, is he in with Otto mm-hmm. are they on the same side mm-hmm. and so clearly they've all been thinking about this for a long time well before this and so getting rid of him was a solid move because they need that family on their side, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm just curious to see how those conversations are handled. Allison asked in the trailer for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's I, okay. mean, I don't have to talk about it. No, 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 I, it's okay. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. Oh, you're right. So no, 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 no. Um, I was just, I was just kidding. I was thinking, which trailer is it? Okay, the, <laughs> the next one trailer, the, one the, the only trailer. Episode. What of Rhaenyra? You know, so mm. they're they're making moves. The door is going to be sealed. What are they going to do with Rhaenyra? They're they're using these, this as an opportunity. So, um, I know, like you're saying, the lines have already well been drawn and the decisions have already well been made. But how much convincing will it take Allison to say, "I was the only one in the room," et cetera, et cetera, at the end of his life? This is what he said. No Will anybody believe her? Believe her? That's going to be as believable as those are Lanor's kids. Well, that's what I'm saying. And you're saying as well, how could Allison even believe it herself? But she walks away. I understand what you're saying, yeah, my king. She had the same resolve as talking to that young girl in this episode. Mm-hmm. It seemed like she was making a resolve to know that she was going to be shady. Sure. It seemed like she would, I understand my king. Right. It was a sort of tell that you would do on TV, a very sort of uncharacteristically TV-like thing to do on this show. I understand my queen, my king, because she's annoyed about it, right? Mm-hmm. She's she's annoyed about the fact that it seemed like he was talking to Rhaenyra and not her. 
And uh, so I guess I'll just twist the word on right. purpose. There's no way she could have misunderstood. Because if it was me, I'd be like, so you want Aegon to be king or not? Like, can you just, yeah. I would be like, wait a second, <laughs> yeah. you know, a ask a couple more questions. But it's to her advantage. But also to her advantage, what? Like I said, no one else was in the room. So, and she just reaffirmed in front of everybody, all of her kids, Otto, everybody, all the people who were in the room. Well, they don't care. I know, but you know. Oh, it's still on the table. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's still on the table. It's definitely on the table. It's, what a shame because they made up so well in this episode. They really did. And it seemed like the way that Rhaenyra was going to return on Dragonback, it was also picturesque and one of those things that happens in a book. One of those things that you want to happen in a TV show and that you know are not going to happen because it was described so prettily. But why not let them just... It would be... Cool. Why not let just let them be friends and then let their kids be mad? Exactly. And then that's what the problem is. Exactly. I mean, that's what it's turning into very clearly with Eamon's actions and with Aegon's actions. And I mean, Rainer's kids aren't necessarily in the clear either, but it's just interesting. I mean, we know we spent so much time talking about it on Sunday, but I felt like in this rewatch, even more so. On Sunday, I kind of thought to myself, man, you know, if Eamon hadn't stood up, maybe they could all have made up and it could have all worked out fine. Mm-hmm. Or, man... And stayed standing up. Yeah, if, if Viserys had held on for another two weeks, then maybe things between Rhaenyra and Alice, maybe things would have been fixed, you know? I think I ha- still had some of these rose-colored glasses after watching that dinner for the first time on Sunday, thinking that the music is swelling and everything's going to be fine. But upon rewatch and just picking up on so many extra details about like we were just saying Rainer and Damon talking about if Damon is on Otto's side or like you were saying Alicent deciding to make some shady moves like kind of calculating in her head that that's just what I'm going to do very clear that and I say this at the end of every episode but it's like the line or the line's drawn you know there's no coming back from it now we've been saying that week after week after week but um yeah, this episode more clearly than on my first watching of there's no coming back for the kids, especially. And there's... Yeah, it feels like there's always a chance between those two, though, between Alison and Rhaenyra. Completely, which is what makes our story so interesting. But it seems like Allison's just going to have to make some big moves in the next episode in order to secure her viewpoint of what Viserys wanted to happen, even though she's already made a lot of massive moves when it comes to <laughs> redecorating and <laughs> the uh there's not a king on the throne anymore. It's a queen who sits. I mean, it's clear to everybody who's been running the show. She's she tricked me again then because it seemed like her vibe was different. But man, that's just one of the reasons why Allison's character was so it's so neat. I was thinking about it when I was watching this time. I loved the performances of the new actors and I loved them as Rhaenyra and Allison, and it made total sense to me whenever they were cast in these roles how confident they must have felt and going forward with this show versus maybe some of the other ones because these actors are so good I mean they've got some really good actors on this show and they just also getting directed so well the those quiet looks in this episode have just Mm -hmm. been turned up to 11 and their presence on camera and the way that they're dressed and uh, the way they look, it all just fits really well. There's always been a risk with Matt Smith's face, but I mean, he's just, 
it's it's a little bit more of a it's kind of like putting auto tune on something mm -hmm. you say that you want it raw and real but if it's just a little bit sweeter you might like it a little bit more it might hit a little bit harder and he's just a little bit more sweetness and in, in this whole thing whenever he's a part of it especially all of his looks to viserys just a little bit more sweetness to the whole situation and using him the way that they've used him is another way that that passage of time I was talking about at the beginning of the episode has been flexed. Um, the the way that Damon is in Fire and Blood isn't as clear. You could probably assume it on your own that Damon from Fire and Blood would be like this in some way, or at least he would be complicated in many ways, especially with the nettle stuff. Um, there's so many different things that happen throughout the course of this of all their lives, but I personally didn't see damon being like this kind of guy that everyone would start really liking and it's not they're not liking him for the same reasons that they liked him at the beginning of the season beginning of the season he was this roguish person that was uh, a more of a risk taker than he is now and was a lot more like amon has kind of taken that role and now they like him because he's being respectful to to family and to the idea of the bond between he and his brother and the fact that he really likes Rhaenyra and everyone's not forgetting about his last wife and all that stuff. It's just a flex of the passage of time. That's one way the passage of time has really been shown is showing how these these characters have become so different. And grown up really into their into their own and into the roles that they were required to grow into and i think that's what makes it so fun to have the kids have such a heavy role and responsibility and screen time really because you get to really feel as we've been talking about this whole time and as we talk about with fire and blood the importance of the familial tie and the importance of the sins of the father being passed on to the kids and how much that changes things. And so um, I'm happy that it does not feel cliche to have the changing of the guard, essentially, happen yeah. so quickly. Yeah. The way that I wrote it down was they just got really good actors. Mm -hmm. But I know that the people that are casting other stuff are really good actors, too. So I think it's it's really... I don't know, maybe it's got to be an energy on set or something, or the, the leadership of some specific people. I don't know what it is to raise the bar to the level that they're pulling this show off at. But I see the social media post from Patty, and I'm thinking this guy probably made it his mission and sort of knew deep down being in the business for as long as he has. Um, and this is the guy who plays the king, by the way, if everyone who's listening, who's not on a fake first name basis with an actor <laughs> from a different country across an ocean. Um um, is that is sort of like he seemed like he was ringleading it. Remember when we were watching the Hot D panel? That was our impression too. Mm -hmm. We were like, I don't know about all these guys because they're not saying that much apart from whatever questions that are being asked of them. Um, but this guy seems to be saving the whole thing and just leading this whole thing with his vibe, with his energy. I need to rewatch that panel now where we are in... Oh, coming God, on to episode so nine. True. We because, didn't have a watch party for that panel. Right, because <laughs> when we watched it for the first time, my I was just rolling my eyes out the back of my head. It was it really annoyed me. That whole the whole energy of that I felt there was a lot of smugness on that panel. Mm. And I did not like it. Mm. And now my tune maybe changed. It's like you kind of earned that smugness a little bit. It's a little bit more interesting yeah. to me because yeah, oh, the I show is yeah. the show is that good. It is that good. We just hadn't. He they had felt like they hadn't earned it at the time, and so um, yeah, like who's it is that good? It's that the, show right, <laughs> right now. 
I don't they're know. They're going to get some Emmys for this. Probably. They, they must have known that then. I don't know. That's tough. I was thinking about that today when they were sitting at the dinner scene. And uh, Viserys looks like the way he looks, and they're all sitting there. Do you think that Matt Smith, who's had a lot of mainstream successes, who doesn't have a lot of lines in this? What do you, I was thinking, what do you think he feels like in this? He doesn't have a lot of lines, but we were LOLing at all of his looks, especially between him and Aemond at the end. Oh, God, As he's yeah. kind of really, his presence is just handling the situation because he's kind of a legend to these kids, and he's much older than them. And he's like the stepdad. Right. So he's, and so he's able to complete without Sorry, even guys. saying anything. He doesn't even say anything. He just looks at him. And then he looks at Aemond, says nothing. And then he smiles to Rhaenyra. Yeah, they kind of are like, this away. is hilarious. You know, kind of, we're in charge, you and me. And then heading to their chambers. But um, That's literally the vibe it was. We're in charge, you and me. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Wow. It must be so nice to to have that. In every episode, I felt like I feel like this is going to be a new thing or could be a new thing. Instead of doing chronological shows, you know, famously done like 24. Mm. <laughs> My but bad. I mean, like Breaking Bad, other stuff, like other TV shows are day by day usually, or mm-hmm. if there's an amount of time, then it's between seasons or it's part of it, but it's not a regular thing that they're constantly jumping through time. But this is what a, a neat little. Every episode gets to be uh, like a chapter in a book. It's like its own little movie. Well, what do you make then? This is kind of outside the context of the episode, but the news that we got this week from George R. R. Martin, any comments on oh, yeah, the we, time link? Yeah. He says, from his blog, he says, it is going to take four full seasons of 10 episodes each to do justice to the Dance of the Dragons from start to finish. Yeah. And so when we think about time Holy jumps moly. and we think about pacing and we think about then... That's a lot of hours. I know. Of, I know. And we covered so much ground in this season. And mm-hmm. so thinking about and thinking forward to, and I hope that we get that many episodes and I hope that we get that much time. What is that going to even look like? I know that's a little bit out of context of kind of today's discussion specifically, but it was big news this week. Well, I think that that's probably as many as we need. I think that's as many as we need. It, we just got through a part of, uh, well, we just got through Heirs of the Dragon. One chapter. Yeah. But there's some meaty ones, and there's lots of stuff that happens, and I don't want any of that to be brushed over because it's, uh, it's this, because there's so much. Mm-hmm. Now imagine there's seasons of so much. But you could also argue that a lot of stuff is potentially brushed over in. This season, season one. <laughs> Wouldn't you smug. say? You, look so smug, <laughs> you think <right>? so? <laughs> Whatever. But <laughs> I don't think so. What do you think was brushed over? Some things, Darion. Well, I just think they just could have spent. We could have had a whole season with our young girlies. I know, that but this felt so tight. I agree. What a completely. strong first season. I'm already nostalgic when I was going through HBO Max to look at the, uh, to pull up the episode. I was seeing the season, the episodes lined out, and it felt like it was a, another Game of Thrones. I was looking at it, and I was like, this is, this is Game of they made They successfully did it. They made another GOT. Mm-hmm. You know? And especially because I feel like this episode in particular just... Because it was Viserys's last, just lent itself to so much nostalgia. And we're coming up on episode nine, which traditionally is the episode. And 
this as a run up to that. I mean, it just really felt like we've moved past, we've set this, the groundwork and we're looking forward to season two. That's really kind of what this yeah, episode felt really like. really successful for them to be able to make us feel that way right. already. People, Especially when they didn't know there was even going to be a season two. Did you notice how everyone Bold calls it you. House of Dragons? Who does? I've heard just people from my consumption of media and friends and people that I talk to, a lot of folks call it House of Dragons. Okay. is it? I know, but instead of... <laughs> It kind of sounds like Game of Thrones, House of Dragons. Right. I thought of that because I'm thinking about people are going to be excited, like, yeah, about House of the Dragon. Um, because mostly because of how it, how it already made them feel like it was, it earned being really good or taken really seriously pretty much already. If you're watching the show. I know that everyone doesn't feel that way. And obviously we're fanboys of the series. So all that high speedometer pegged out intensity that comes later it can't be in short sequences so i think it makes sense for four seasons yeah for sure for just the dance for just the dance yeah yeah whatever that means to you right (laughs) four seasons is, is awesome and then there's always the possibility for us to we've been talking about it now for a long time but um for hot d to turn in a kind of an anthology series for house targaryen in general which gives us the potential to work its way all the way up through the beginning of got pretty much what if you end with danny danny and viserys being dropped off like little baby harry that would be Unbelievable in my mind. But little tinkle, Game of Thrones harpsichord. We'll see too what Fire Blood 2 has to offer us because I'm sure as George is writing that, he's putting a little in a little extra so he can stretch this out a little longer than just gunning straight into Game of Thrones because I feel like it would be a shame to kind of run into it a little too early in the the potential of everything. Yeah, I know, but they basically just said four years is what it's going to take for Hadi. Of course, none of that's confirmed. I saw a lot of news places running with it. This is what it's going to be. But I think that's smart of George to get ahead of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, this is what it is, Mm -hmm. everybody. This is what it needs. And I think that that sounds right. Yeah. I mean, you don't want it to feel sweepy. We don't want to feel sweepy. This already is sweepy. That's what I was going to say with just that's and that's the thing that's interesting to me with just the way that they've chosen to pace this season so far, what that then means for the seasons going forward. I mean, it's going to continue to use the same cadence that Fire and Blood has used, but mm-hmm. it's just interesting to me because that's that's I mean, how many years passed in season 1 of House of the Dragon, you know? Times that by 4. That's a lot of like this is silly, but that's that's a lot of years. That's a lot of time. Yeah, but now, unless they slow things down, that's the thing. I think we're done with the time jumping. Probably of all the time jumping. Well, that's what I think is from it, now on. and that's what I think is interesting because it was such a prevalent thing in this season. Yeah, and I think that's really cool that we basically had the whole first season be sacrificed for a weird artistic uh, flourish to set up uh, a, a better way to say it. a better way to say it. Um, well, first off, we had to have it set up that way because that's how George wrote it, but they could have always changed it. They could have put it at a specific point and then done it in a normal chronological manner that we would see in Game of Thrones. But like I said, the fact that we took this whole season to do that is that's the kind of shit I like. And then we got three episodes that are chronological at the end. 
kind of sort of like it felt in the beginning-ish, but these are going to be right next, close to each other, and then that's how it's going to be from now on. So we get a taste, basically, of what's coming next at the, the end of the cadence. first season. After the first one, I had this beautiful, longly protracted prologue. Well, because, I mean, the next episode seemingly is literally the next day. And so... It's going to be the next day. Well, it seems, I mean... Dang. They're talking about nobody gets to see, like, close all the doors until we figure this out, basically. Dang. So it's not like they're going to have a lot of time. And that's something that we've been thinking a lot about oh, is... yeah, of course it is. This pacing, yeah, between yeah. Rhaenyra leaving, when does she find out, that's when what do the I'm kids find about, out. That's what because this is different than the book, so now I'm, it's all mysterious again. Mm-hmm. It's Are they still at the Red Keep? Are they on their way out of the Red Keep? Now in our next episode, the king is dead, and we don't know what that means. You saw what happened, or what almost happened when he wasn't there to walk into the throne room. I know. Can you Jeez, imagine how so that would have gone, gone down if he hadn't shown up that day, or at, at that time, what conflict may have... Well, I wonder if he hadn't been there, if Vaymond's claim would have been voted on. Yeah, they would have picked him. For sure. Remember when Veyman was doing his speech? He was like, this is the first time that we've discussed this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though literally like, the scene or two before was whoever... They were just meeting We're going to be in yeah. debt, you know, to the crown. It was so cool need because my ships. he's such an important character. A guy who can walk in through the yard with a retinue. Literal people. Not just nowadays are important people. Maybe like a $1.5 million car. That's pretty cool. I mean, you're flossing driving up in that. Even if someone drives you in it, it could be a boat. It wouldn't matter. We're talking about living people carrying flags with your picture on it. The picture that you like to put on your stuff, at least. It's like your favorite animal. Mm -hmm. The people are carrying Mm -hmm. it. They're like, yeah. You're like, I'm a shark guy, and everyone's got sharks. He is that important, but he looked like such a doink in the small council room when he was like, and the Lord of the Tides would be... Your friend. Viserys. <laughs> and our ships. And right. our navy. <laughs> You're like, thinking, I'm thinking of a completely different scene I'm realizing now than you. But... I'm thinking of Vaymond. And it's just how important he is. Right, but Viserys says to him. how silly he is because everyone's important she's in like, show. She's like, he's like, you're the second son of the Lord of the Tides. Yeah. Like, who are you to talk to me, the king? Mm-hmm. You're the second son. Are mm-hmm. you serious? Yeah. Didn't he kind say just energy. another second son? Uh, something like <laughs> that. Or something like that. Which yeah. was very good. And so... That's the shame and the... Allow it. <laughs> yeah. That's the shame of just Viserys' ability to rule. And you wonder what somebody, like a king before this, like how would Magor... Well, duh, we know how Magor would have handled this kind of situation. Oh, it wouldn't have been put in front of him. How, yeah, how would Jaehaerys have handled this kind of situation kind of thing? I think bring up a lot of interesting questions. And um, because, Well, it depends on what state of health he's in. I mean... If Jaehaerys would have been in a good state of health, then it would have been pretty straightforward. They probably wouldn't have brought it up, right? This is all about the fact that he was in this bad state of health. Right, but to me, if your whole thing is going to crumble around you because you don't feel good, Mm -hmm. then how much of a grasp did you have on it in the first place? Yeah. The answer, we already know the answer to that. The answer is, is none. And I thought it was interesting. The conversation that Rhaenyra had with Viserys, that very emotional conversation was a little bit more annoying to me this time around for reasons that we've been talking about when she says to him, by naming me heir, you divided the realm. Mm. And that seems kind of sad at first 
on Sunday, I was like, man, that's so true. Like this burden is too much for me to bear. And it's like, well, you brought this burden upon yourself. The reason why everything is so chaotic right now, partially, is because your kids don't, are very clearly not their dads. And so your claim was already really shaky. As Vaymond says, you made a big move to name your daughter the heir to the throne. And then she, you know, we talked at length about all of the decisions that she made, but then she's, as all girls would do, crying to her dad. Like, why did you put this on me? You made this so difficult. So we we're supposed to unite the realm. Well, it's like, well, then if we were supposed to unite the realm, then like, why didn't you produce the heirs that you were supposed I know she tried, so whatever. But why didn't you do all the things? Trying, yeah. yeah. Why didn't you do all the things Where's to the shore kids? up your claim? Yeah. And then, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So it just, you know, it adds to the complexity. Like there's no black and white because then again, like right now, I was like, this is so annoying that you're upset about this because this is partially your own fault. So don't blame it on your dad for naming you heir. He had no other choice at the time. What that's making me think of is basically that we could have turned on the podcast and just said, love is the death of duty and turned it off and just put that out. Probably. Because the situation that we're talking about there with, with, her and her kids and Harwin love the death of duty. You could simplify it to maybe it was love, hopefully, with her. It seems like it was. She tried, yes, but also maybe it was just the love there was too strong that this dumb, dumb decision was just all that she could make. Hopefully it wasn't that she just didn't care. It, more like Allison's kids would be, it seems. Um, with Viserys choosing Rhaenyra is kind of like the same thing. Love being the death of duty. doing Duty being duty to what he believes from the prophecy. And so I th- was thinking, I was watching the episode, and I was thinking maybe he did change his mind at the end. But again, that was before I watched it with subtitles. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it, and I was like, no, he clearly thinks that the prophecy is true and that Rhaenyra is the one. He's confident. But that's not what... That's not what... The prophecy says. So, how could it be her? Is the prophecy non-specific? Does he now believe that? Because earlier in the season, he was confused about the way the prophecy was worded, whether or not it would be okay with being his firstborn daughter, not a kid named Aegon, or something. So, not sure how that works. It's wiggly, but I don't know. Part of me thinks that there's some kind of subtext here that the Song of Ice and Fire maybe could have been fulfilled or completed and the White Walkers maybe could have been destroyed with this tear if something hadn't gone wrong. You mean if like Viserys and Emma had a son? Or if he would have not picked Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. Picked Damon instead. Or if he would have picked Rhaenyra and if she would have already been queen or something. Why did they just marry Damon and Rhaenyra in the beginning? In the first place. Or if they would have done that and they would have had their kids. Or if the f- rivalry didn't happen and they didn't fight each other and they fought together. All these different ways why this tier might have worked. And so if that's subtextually happening, then what is the lesson? I think maybe the lesson is um, that the universe is just as brutal figuratively as it is physically and that you just get swept in through history and then you're replaced and hopefully a better replacement can fulfill the prophecy. 
because it's eventually going to happen. And then maybe you're, you're all the, these characters that we love suck and just aren't good enough. And that they can be sort of boiled down to Joffrey standing above the the ashes of one of our characters in, I think, season three, talking about what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and obviously they're entombed in royal headquarters. And so like, they're less forgotten than some, but not the ones who maybe defeat the White Walkers. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were good enough. Maybe they weren't. Obviously that is completely in my head. And I don't know if this is actually a subtext to the story or if it's one of those awesome benefits of writing something that's so accurately true and that checks out and that isn't cheesy. And so when held up, you can sort of look at it from many different angles and come up with your own ideas, like what good art does. So maybe there is subtext. Maybe there isn't. Talking to George about the places on the edges of the map, though, <laughs> makes uh-huh. me think sometimes that all the subtext is me. <laughs> <laughs> you only uh, further add to the conversation. He's like, people are pointing on a map, so I guess they got to make up something about the place. Yeah, I think the other subtext is the the uh, Targaryens had it right, and you got to marry your own peeps because when you bring any sort of outside Ooh. vibes in, you're causing Ooh. drama and problems. Yeah, so they got it right, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that is the thing. Let's see, we were talking about it's a good thing Viserys got that decision passed through before he died because some could have been really bad. And it's like, no, that's just because we like certain characters it's not like it would have been bad Vaymond would have been a good lord of the tides he knows all the job he's, he's been shadowing the whole job the whole time if anything he's the best guy for the job if you need people if you need someone to be the lord of the tides right now mm-hmm. he's been he, defending the seat the whole time he's defending for his it. for his bro and he's been fighting mm-hmm. he's been defending this he's whole a pure time. blood yeah he's a pure blood for god's sakes he would be fine but you know the fact that he's not also isn't that bad for us. The fact that he got his head cut off. It's like only if you really personally are affected by this does it really matter. he's not our guy, so. What do you think about all the weirwood tree stuff? What it evokes? What do you th- what, what's up with that? Are you talking about maybe the importance of the conversations that are being had there? Just in general. To me, it is, I've seen it more as a through line to the stuff that continues to matter to us in Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire. So whether it is, I just don't like what I think you want me to say. I don't want you to say anything. Well, the (laughs) idea of somebody like Blood Raven tied into a werewood listening in on the convos and and manipulating the whole scene at, at this point in the game, I just personally find that to be even in a song of ice and fire i find it to be something that i don't particularly like as a narrative mm-hmm. tool and mm-hmm. so i have not even let my brain think about that in house of the dragon and i've simply seen it maybe naively but i don't know just as a this is an important place where important conversations happen what about in this episode tonight with rainies what about it just the way that she was looking at the tree. And uh, Rhaenyra said, whatever, it doesn't matter. And then she goes, you're right. And she looks at the tree again. Pregnant pause. It does not matter. I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's a call to something higher, maybe, mm. than 
what we're doing here. Well, that's like doing the sign then, the symbol, and, and not having anything behind it. It's like going, yeah, you see this? Potentially. <laughs> this is creepy. Probably. So I it's mean, just meant to make us feel that shadow, but there's nothing behind it. Because it's definitely intentionally done. And then we have that scene with her in this episode where she's standing in front of Vayman being cut open. Mm-hmm. And there's candles and it's really moody. Mm-hmm. And it's after that heart tree stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about the stranger about how the stranger visits her with her eyes open or closed Mm -hmm. maybe in her dreams what do you think the stranger what's the stranger this weird uh i'm sure that that brand thought i can't remember specifically but i bet in agot that brand thought at some point when he was getting attacked in his dreams that it was the stranger what other god would be so unpredictable like this so chaotic so all over the place but also so all-knowing sounds like the stranger to me so we know helena's talking about beast beneath the boards we know that there's three scenes at least in this episode talking about the prophecy Mm -hmm. and then the camera dragging over on that knife i think that we're both right i think that you're you're willfully looking past that stuff i think a lot of people will but i also am thinking way too much about it well i don't putting way too much into it i wouldn't say that there's like emptiness behind it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i wouldn't go so far as looking past it and saying there's nothing there okay but i would just say that we're getting somewhere i think that Okay, so maybe are you asking if Rainey's is having dragon dreams? I think she might be, but I think it might be more than that. Just or, based on that stranger scene, like, ooh. Or she just, everybody in her family has died. Her two kids and her brother-in-law. So yeah, you're right. she is just, she's well acquainted yeah, you with don't death. Have, no, she's looked at straight in the eye. Yeah, getting, you can get sad about losing people, but specifically looking at bodies. I don't know. I think that she just is. She, her, like she thinks her husband is dead too. Yeah, I mean, you're right. so she's looking straight in the face of death itself. Do you think that this ambiguousness that I'm catching, that I'm picking up on, is on purpose? Yes. That that vector was added in there yeah, to be a I, part of the texture? I do think so. And okay, I'm not trying cool. to dismiss it because I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that I do think that there's merit behind it being a very practical thing. Like, She's stood in the face of death many times in her old age. Pretty much everyone in her family is gone at this point. Um, she she stands alone. She said she stands alone. She got to Max song anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so whether her looks are because she's having these dreams or these prophecies, or she's being visited by some sort of other Aliens. god, I don't know. But I also. Just, I don't like the idea of there's like one specific person or thing or entity that's manipulating. Well, there is. We're going to have to wrap our minds around that. And he has the ability to travel through space and time seemingly. Well, that's boring. Seemingly at will. <laughs> that's boring. But Bran is not in control of that power yet. He was in the show canon. We don't know if he ever will be. So, so right boring. now, it's a Targaryen that's doing it. Yeah, but then there's no free will, you know? Well, Which... I mean, you got to be near a tree or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's, it's kind of, you know... Uh, I forget. I forget which Targaryen king had them all ripped out, but he's like, "Fuck that!" Shit. Right? Exactly. I don't want to be near any <laughs> Get of this these kind trees of thing. Out here. Well, you don't know that these roots travel through the core of the planet, right? Sir. Right. 
<sighs> I definitely think that there is a, I mean, I'm sure, I can only imagine that you're drawn to a place like that, even if you don't fully understand maybe what or why behind it. You're just drawn to this feeling of stepping outside of myself. Well, if anything, it's, it's serving a dual purpose because it's a familiar place for people to meet. It's a good expression of the show to come tree. back to, you know? Uh, and the fact that it's always like that over the test of time is really sweet. It's a little sanctuary to the to the, the changing of everything around it. So it's just a treat to be able to show that on the screen whatsoever. But um, something that happens at many points over the Song of Ice and Fire series and uh, in Fire and Blood, but differently, are um, these weird mentions of something that is actually magical or supernatural or mysterious or that gives you that at least it gives me this creeping feeling of there's you're being a little indirect here the guy who wrote it this is there's something right here and so in fire and blood it's mostly anything to do with the god's eye and uh and song of rest and fire it's a ton of stuff with the god's eye thrown in there so with the show this heart tree is kind of like it's little god's eye thing this little just mysterious thing because you know if you watched Game of Thrones and you probably did. If you're here, you probably saw Game of Thrones. <laughs> let's be honest. You know about that weird tree. It's mysterious and that's where the time travel stuff happened and that was crazy. You know, and it was there at the beginning of the show too and it was a big part of the artwork. We all know it and remember it. So it's doing a lot of really cool things right there as a device in the show. It's like a figurative and and, and physical representation of the thing that gave life to Hot D itself and we keep coming back to it. And it's also a, that weird, creepy reminder there might be some kind of weird myste- mystery happening in the background. And I know you don't believe it, but I think that there might be. I I don't know. <laughs> I'd be curious to kind of tally that up damn what those convos that have happened there have been and maybe what the outcome has then been from that conversation or like if there's any through line pointing towards based on what we've seen with that in that scene pointing towards what you're saying other than just as a callback to the vibe of this bigger than what is happening here magic well i haven't heard any direct calls to that concept that's just how i would name it well yeah right but i'm saying right exactly but that's what i'm saying is like i wonder if there's clues along the way in any of those to me those clues are just speaking mysteriously for no reason and giving knowing looks at stuff it doesn't seem like those are empty there's so much intention you know so much done with intention they wouldn't just leave off intention intention at certain points so i'm trying to pay attention to it you know this vamen scene um I forget what it's called, autopsy. There's no need to put that in there. There's no need to make Rainey's, to show that Rainey's has struggled and felt pain. The way that you described it, that's definitely accurate. And she is this person that she's lived that kind of life. Yep. But why do we need to see it right now? Because now she's hard. Now she has nothing to live for anymore. Because Vaman got cut open? Well, because it's not necessarily Vaman specifically, but that's the last of her living peers you could say mm. and so okay maybe it's a who knows what happens with her next episode now she's got nothing to lose You're right. yeah even though she wasn't even on Vayman's side wow that's but two sides of the coin yeah um. i don't like i said I, I, i'm not i'm not disagreeing with you no i think you're right i think you're right yeah and i mean you don't want to just throw rainies to the side and just only have those scenes with her that you have to have her in because you want her to be a character that people care about too but you think she may have some 
higher. I don't know, just some point of mysteriousness yeah. mm-hmm. for some reason. And if you, like I said, if you try to look away from it, then you can't because if you watch this show, they're they're forcing us. Since right. the first episode, I've given up. I've I've surrendered to it. Every time <laughs> something like that starts to happen <laughs> in the season, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I still don't understand it, you mm-hmm. know? And it's just, it's staying ambiguous, especially with now the conversation of Allison maybe hearing it in a certain way. Or, I don't know, we'll see if she believes that she heard it in a certain way, at least. Or if I'm, she's doing it on purpose. Yeah, or if I'm we'll very, get the answer, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how much she, how much information she gives to other people. If she leaves it as, Viserys told me that he wants Aegon to be king, or if she tries to bolster up this argument with other things that Viserys said in order to make it feel a little bit more important. Maybe like what? she like will she say this has been prophesied as part of XYZ scene from you know, is she gonna try to use that to got her pretty advantage? Pretty big god necklace on. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. So she's I mean, this whole episode that was a looming narrative of her piousness that would piss people off so much for sure they're like you're gonna do the faith i remember Mm -hmm. when that happened Mm -hmm. when the faith was invoked for this (laughs) i mean it is so annoying that 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 can be done that concept of anything where the i mean we all know it i don't need to describe it but it's fun to see it done in this way at this level and it's great because it's a thing that you can it's like a, using law to do something shady be like I got it I can mm-hmm. do it it's written down it's someone wrote rules. it down on a piece of paper that's the rules get out the game listen when I play Monopoly <laughs> you don't want to read the rules alright because <laughs> if we followed the rules it would be a you know, you're know, you not going to have a good time well, that's basically what Vayman is saying to Viserys he's like you broke the law by naming your daughter heir. So let me make my own decisions. Sure. And then what does Viserys say back to him? He's basically like... Allow it? Yeah. He's Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay. Basically, I was thinking of that line from The Office when it's like, did I stutter? You know, it's kind of like... <laughs> Wait, who says that like, again in The Office? I think Stanley says that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so genius. <laughs> Stanley going, right. did I stutter? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes sense for Vayman, though, because... Uh, he he wants to look at the rules, right? And so does Allison. That's why all the rule followers on that one right. side. But then Viserys goes, you don't want to look at the rules. Mm-hmm. Right. He goes, hold on. All right, let's look at the rules. It says, whatever I say right, goes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're a second son and whatever I say goes. But I'm about to die. And so <sighs> whatever I say goes isn't... That's what I was trying to say earlier in the episode. It's like whatever I say goes isn't enough for the king. Like that's just not enough. Because you're not always going to be here. And so... So don't be a king. Don't be a king. Yeah. Just, That's what... Aegon already sees yeah. that. He already sees that. And we Allison need, is putting so uh, much pressure on him. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just having a bit of fun, which... Pff, LOL. Okay. But he, he, she's like, especially on a day like today. And he's like, what's today? <laughs> you know? He's like, I don't want to be part of any of this. Uh, I don't want to be a king. I see the drama that it brings. Why are you pressuring me? Uh, building up Beesbury, man. That was really funny. Do you think that she killed that girl? On a second watch? She's crinkling up her face? I don't want her to have killed that girl. That's the thing about it. So what do you think? I don't think she killed her. I think she ran away. 
<laughs> What's wrong with that? Well, she gave her that big thing of money. She was like, basically, like, get out of here, kind of thing. Yeah. The money was so whenever she gave her the drink, she would trust her to drink it. That's manipulation oh, really? 101. Yeah. She's really? like, look, she's like, look, look, I, she just I'm, gave you a little I'm drink giving you this the money. Way. I'm giving this money. It's going to be great. Drink this. Allison just always has this bag of money because she just like kills all the people just that come Just a little statue of farthings at her side. I don't like the idea of Allison having killed this girl because I think that that pushes her more into the, as you've been saying, the thing that's been amazing about what? Sorry, it's kind of an idea. Go What's ahead. been amazing? The thing that's been amazing about House of the Dragon so far is that we've been going back and forth about who's been making decisions for what reason. And if Allison is starting to just, like, kill random girls to try to protect her kid, I mean, I understand. Wouldn't she want to well, do that? Well, of course, I understand that drive. You want to as, be able to replace Rhaenyra eventually, right? Completely. But at the same time, it's like it's like Viserys was saying to Damon in episode three or something. We hoard our way through our teenage years. So it's not like Aegon is necessarily stepping out in a way that would be unseen from other people his age in his station and so for allison to then kill someone because of that seems like such a seems like such a like a a bad guy move i think that it's mostly about the scale and that that she's a loose end and just because she gave her the moon tea uh and just because she's not going to physically have the baby doesn't mean that that narrative isn't open and of course the narrative being open what does it really matter because he's a prince and she's fired. <laughs> she's she's jobless now or going to be. So what's the word of that? I mean, people can say anything they want. We've seen so many rumors get brought up about these people and be shouted in town streets over the course of all these, these seasons of this era of show that we've watched. So why would we care? And I think that that's what they're doing. I think that they're evoking that in this scene where it feels like she has no reason to actually kill this girl because what does it matter the only people she told was a member of the king's guard and then their um her handmaiden i, I think it's talia i think that's but her then name is, are we were, were we supposed to believe that that's what she was going to go tell yeah 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 about the, the rape mm -hmm. situation yeah. so what i'm thinking that's the idea that i got what i'm thinking is that uh that loose end might be a loose end now about she killed somebody and she's telling that information to Masaria, who I'm still trying to believe is a real person. So funny that we've, we're supposed to believe that she's like this big character, but we've seen her for maybe 15 seconds mm -hmm. since she left Damon. I'm sure yeah. they'll bring it around. I have faith in the way they've executed Completely. characters, but I'm still trying to piece her humanity together. Do you know what I'm saying though about completely about the, uh, the mur potential murder situation completely and the way that she hugs that other handmaiden it's her daughter oh that's helena mm -hmm. oh well <laughs> you need to look more like a targaryen <laughs> where's the where's the makeup <laughs> no but for real for real huh apparently because we said earlier on sunday that it wasn't we got a lot of tweets we did really yeah sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> Hmm. Well, either way, I mean, either way, it's still more of an insult on her, not us. No, completely. It's like <laughs> such a diss on her, completely. But that's why she hugged her. Uh -huh. She hugged her because yeah. she killed her. Right. She right. killed her, and she gave her a real hug for it. I just don't like Allison being a killer. Would well, you think that Allison's really sad about the fact that her brother just 
raped her. I mean, if Allison, I don't know, that's the thing. It depends on how you see Allison. You got to turn a mirror on yourself. Is she really nice? Is she actually really bad? Was she struggling with stuff when she cut Rhaenyra that would any sane person that's actually nice would have struggled with and she didn't actually mean to uh, cut her and she was never really going to stab her. She was just super upset. There's all these different ways to look at her situation. Did she kill her or did she not? I've always that's felt the answer. like, and I think Rhaenyra would say the same thing with Allison and Allison would say the same thing of Rhaenyra that they were good people. Like, I think that Allison is a good person who has been pushed too far based off of the decision of other people like her dad pushing her into the situation the weight of her position and station the weight of this lie that she now has to carry for Rhaenyra who she doesn't even like that much anymore and so I've always felt like that it was more complex than her being a bad guy and I don't feel like she's this is warrants itself enough to then kill someone but like to me that just seems like such a i know that's like damon killed how many people in this episode and we're like he's the best ever damon is so funny and he makes such great looks you know like so what's the difference between but that's damon's nature like he's a rogue he's a shady guy he's intense and he's hasn't been for a long time though it seems who knows what else is happening off screen you know true but so just the way he was so happy about that clutch of dragon eggs it was really kind of cutie. But it just, if it just to me doesn't seem like it's an Allison's nature, but I could be completely wrong. I think that you're probably right. But uh, I, at least it happened, was though. really well convincingly set up, kind of like the, the Werewood tree and the Stranger stuff, just indicators that there's more mm-hmm. if you're paying attention. It's not solidified, it's just a little bit ambiguous. And so that's cool. That's cool. I, I love that mixed in there. And uh, I mean, Depending on how you see that, it's going to make a big difference on how you see what happens in the next episode, how they react to the decisions she makes, the decisions that she makes with Viserys not being alive anymore, and the fact that there's a choose your own adventure with the feelings out loud, super brilliantly done by the people making the show. Seriously, if you just like give high fives to people, like wow, you pulled that off. You made it able. You made it able for us to be confused. Mm-hmm. Like we're confused. We're confused, and we have the source material too, and we're confused. I'm also confused why everybody cares so much. And so is Viserys. He's like, I thought we already talked about this. <laughs> it's like, don't you guys just want to just marry all your kids together and then leave it alone? You all still win. But that's the thing about it. That, and when you were you were talking before, I was just like, so wait a second, nobody's bad. So nobody's bad. There's actually nobody's bad. It's the dinner, except Amon. Amon's probably the only bad guy. And I don't even, I it's hard for me to say evil, but you think about how quickly he jumped to cruelty whenever he was uh in the cave. Uh, right after he tamed Vagar. Mm-hmm. That's probably who he is still. Sure. Completely. Oh, I mean, completely. As, as he's older, that cruelty may be manifest as violence. I think that that is what George I mean, that was the whole thing about a song of ice and fire and the opportunity that we have to be inside all these characters heads is that we understand the decisions that they make and so there is nobody that's bad unless you look at somebody like very mere six skins yeah <laughs> being a bad guy i don't know it tracks me that it continues to be gray but i don't know i'd be curious what people and maybe we should have asked this question <laughs> we should just ask this question for the midweek question of did Allison kill that girl <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> because I'm curious and everybody can write in 
and tweet at us or send us a note on Instagram if you felt like she killed her. Yeah, I'll I'd put be, a poll on Twitter. Yeah, too. I'd be interested to see what people thought about that. Usually, there's a bad guy at least, though, in a situation. You know, there's usually people that are definitely bad. The mountain roars, biter, the night king. White Walkers in general. I guess we still don't know the the tale of the White Walkers, but we knew that the Brave Companions sucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely bad guys a lot of the time. And whenever you're reading Fire and Blood, you the part of the conflict there is that you're like, I like Damon, mm-hmm. but he's one of the bad guys. But, but he doesn't seem House like the bad the Dragon, guy. He's not. Yeah. The way that they're making him, and the way that he probably was when George wrote fire and blood and the way that he is a little bit later i think it's there but i just think that it's uh none of us are smart or subtle enough to we just see damon as this rogue this thing that we want him to be because he's kind of a hottie too you know so yeah, we forgive for sure. him yeah and so we want him to be a little <sighs> hotter for matt smith every time he takes every well this is a whole other <laughs> I keep sending you clips of I keep screenshotting pictures of matt smith like in his mm. normal life to you <laughs> i'm just like what a shame like he's his Damonness, it just really does it for me. But I'm looking forward to seeing. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was such a like unnecessary aside. But it's the content that we just need the honest opinion. That you know, is my honest that opinion. You can give about the show, and it seems now we have it. I'm looking forward to seeing how they continue to toe that line because the conflict has heated up to a boiling point where now. The high towers are making decisions and sealing the room and talking about Rainera. And, you know, there was a lot of soldiers and there seemed to be a big issue at the um, small council. They were kind of arguing back and forth in the trailer. So they have to make these big decisions. So will we continue to see that grayness? I think so, just based on everything that we've seen so far in this hmm. season. But um, as people make these big decisions to defend what they think is right will we still think that they are all doing the best that they can or will it become clear that rain era is losing touch or Otto is out of his mind you know i will be curious to see how that plays out in the next episode Otto is definitely out of his mind <laughs> that's for sure that's for sure oh man viserys when he sees him and even you like it that they're buds and have been buds that long. Of course. Even you like it. It's hard not every, to. All, every one of us watching, we're a little nostalgic for their friendship. We're like, ah, I know that's a weird dynamic. He's the king and he could pull out his tongue if you want, but that's his That's his. Friend. I want dinner, Otto. It's morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's morning time. <laughs> so Sunday is going to be cool. We're going to see our first episode nine of a new GOT successor series. And Ramin Javadi will show up for it, I'm sure. And so turn up your speakers really loud and listen to the owns. We'll start first with Twitter. At Little Wolfbird says, Own to giving brother slash dad slash husband slash father slash grandfather one last night of happiness on this day of Thanksgiving. It was Canadian Thanksgiving. So that was perfect oh, for everybody nice. in Canada. At Seth 410, owned to that overhead shot of the Iron Throne, making it look like GRM's original conception. The Tattered Princess, owned to Eamon for growing up so quickly, he's now a couple years older than his mom. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I had a theory about that. What is it? Uh, we'll have to talk about it after this. Okay. Wanda Maximoff owned the toast at the final family dinner, especially Amon's choice adjective for strong nephews. Hashtag hot D. Hashtag Lord of the Tides. Rob McDonald owned the VFX slash makeup departments on Hot D for making Viserys look absolutely horrifying. Game of Thrones quotes. Owned to Vaman Valerian for choosing violence. <laughs> At Crash 2K18, owned to Helena for absolutely roasting her husband. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> Good. <laughs> and to Otto for laughing so much at it. Honorable mention to Crispin, who now has other guys who suck more than him. LOL. And for consistently staying hot. <laughs> P.S. Owned to Vayman, who made me jump when he shouted bastards. Incredible episode. At Stellan Geo's one, my own is to Ewan Mitchell, who killed it as Amon in such a short time. Second own is to Patty Considine. Thank you for bringing Viserys to life in such a way few of us expected. You'll be missed. At the Lady Shelley, Olivia Cook owned that episode. She was absolutely fantastic. She really was. At Chris DJC4, owns to Damon for granting Vaman to keep his tongue. At Fox and Brambles, my own goes to Viserys, who for a brief moment tied his house together and almost saved the realm. Also owned to Damon, who looked ready to shed a few tears at seeing his brother and for helping him stand tall. Noah at Geesey 3 owned my tear jugs for maybe slash maybe not holding on. <laughs> Matt Lucas, Damon for being a Chad. <laughs> Spooky Scary Shane G owned Egan for not giving two shits about anything related to the Game of Thrones. At for Arya, owned to Rainier for introducing Viserys to his namesake and to Damon for finding the clutch. Hashtag Dragons Game Over. Last owned to Damon for sniffing out the tea versus milk of the poppy. At Eloquent Adventures, owned to Viserys for dressing up as himself for Halloween. Oh, that's going to be an amazing costume. I know. Holy shit. (laughs) It's not too late. Oh, my God. You just need to dye your hair. You got the hair for it. His hair is falling out anyway. (laughs) It doesn't matter. You don't need the same color. It's ghostly white. She That's a great idea. Jason Alden, my own, is to Viserys for not being a king. But yet, just a man who wanted one happy and peaceful family dinner before he dies. Plus, amazing, amazing acting by Patty Constantine fit his scenes. Killian Murphy is Blood Raven. I thought about that because of your username, and I think that's a pretty good choice. Damon for helping his bro get to the throne. At G Shadow One, Viserys for blowing it all in the last five minutes. At King Crack Hour, owned to Amond for kind of being a Damon. <laughs> oh, dragon. Mindy. Owned the calm before the storm that was the happy Targaryen slash Valerian family Rhaenyra and Damon created together. Just living carefree, happy lives on Dragonstone before it all started going to hell in a hand basket in King's Landing. At Black Madness 317, owned to Damon Car- Targaryen, Targaryen, keep his wife's name out of your mouth. <laughs> Erica, Slice. my own, goes to Rainey's for holy crap, Damon just chopped that dude's face into all the owns to Damon. Connor, Connor Targaryen, owned to Patty Constantine for such an incredible performance as Viserys this episode and throughout the entire season really had me tearing up at one point. I know we all felt something. Isn't it crazy? Shout out to a real one crown emoji. Hashtag Viserys. At Azora High Five, biggest of owns to Helena Targaryen for reading her husband and the patriarchy to filth. <laughs> Eric Flores, my own goes to Helena the Dreamer Targaryen for keeping 100% marriage is not that bad. He 
ignores you most of the time unless he is drunk. Sorry, I botched that. You guys remember. <laughs> DJ Snooky owned Jace, who saw how Helena was unappreciated and ignored and asked her to dance my heart. In a whisper, at Whisper Ramon, owned to Damon for making me tear up by helping Viserys up the stairs into the throne and placing his crown on him. And owned to Damon for staring one-eyed down one eye down until he left after the dinner. Baby Blue Tinfoil owned to Rhaenyra, who again takes the first step, but the train already left the station with the next generation. And a little owned to Damon for t- letting Vaymond keep his tongue on Viserys's behalf. At White's King, the Night King, I feel like a broken record, but owned to Damon for cutting through the shit figuratively and literally and assisting his bro up those stairs. Own also to Pat Patty Constantine, for elevating a vanilla character from Fire and Blood to one that will leave a lasting effect for sure. I was talking to somebody who didn't read Fire and Blood and I was like, Viserys is like sort of a throwaway character in Fire and Blood. I guess throwaway is they a big... They were shocked. I mean, anybody would be if yeah. you hadn't read Fire and Blood with how incredible he is. Um, at Max Shine, owned to Aemon for being a anagram of Damon. What? <laughs> <laughs> At Hugo Cast, owned to the power of friendship for bringing back together Allison and Rhaenyra. Headphones Neil, owned to Viserys for reuniting his family while looking like Emperor Palpatine, then destroying it by confusing his wife and his daughter. Hashtag unlimited power. Hashtag Rosebud. Kimberly, owned to the makeup artist in this episode because OMG, I was disgusted and impressed at the same time. That's the key. Michelle Martel, owned to Big Daddy V, aka King Viserys, <laughs> for getting one last meal with his family before shuffling off the mortal coil at ghost chase killer owned to the empty spot on patty constantine's mantle that will soon grace his emmy trophy that guy has blown me away richard gould owned to the poor guards who had run behind the carriages holding flags at abenara owned to damon targaryen for shutting down the conversation and surveyment valerian with a smooth slice Hashtag Valerian Steel cuts clean. Hashtag thank you, my prince. And own to King Viserys for inspiring a whole new level of Halloween yes. costumes. Masked crypt keeper slash zombie king. R.I.P. your grace. Last supper with the family. Lauren. My own goes to Jace for feeling bad for Helena and asking her to dance because being betrothed to her brother basically sucks. At Nick at Night 117, even though I'm aware of what will happen in the near future, own to the toast from Allison and Rhaenyra, may that brief acknowledgement of their old friendship and feelings for one another spawn a million new fanfics, hashtag BFFs, hashtag what could have been, hashtag truly tragic. At Democracy Diva, own to Patty Constantine for making me give a shit about Viserys. Still astonished I cried when that fucker died. Give this man a hundred Emmys. Tom Snow, owned to Damon for looking at Aemon after dinner like he was looking in a mirror. At Shane Lisa, owned to Damon helping Viserys mount the throne. At Thoros Loves Roller, Prince Aemon for being taller than Aegon. Fartmouth 420, owned to Damon for placing the crown uh, upon his brother's head. He seems so proud of Viserys for showing up to work. Follow up to Matt Smith's acting for showing so much complexity through facial expressions alone. And of course, the absolutely baller delivery of Say It. That's one of my favorite <laughs> moments of the scene. Also, I thought for, Fartmouth420 was you for the longest time. <laughs> like your dummy account that you're just trying to bolster up the podcast. So good. Uh, what's the account called? <laughs> what's it called? <laughs> you heard me. No, no, no. What, I, which one are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> John Mack says, I could whack poetic 
whack. <laughs> John Mack says, I could wax poetic and throw owns at everyone who had screen time and dialogue this week, but I'll single out a couple quick ones. To Vaymond for speaking his truth, to Jace for taking David D- David J. Peterson's Duolingo course in High Valyrian, and to Rainey's for reminding the realm that she's not to be messed with. I'm going to skip the rest, though, for the biggest and most obvious owns for me. To Patty Constantine and Matt Smith, I personally couldn't get through the episode without needing to dry my eyes every few minutes. Watching what was essentially an hour-long death scene for Viserys was heartbreaking to watch, which is a testament to Patty's performance and skill. I felt my emotions being assaulted indiscriminately with every labored step and every wheezing breath. I really found myself wishing he wouldn't go. And Matt Smith, less is more from Damon. Like seeing his emotions betrayed for a brief moment when his facial expressions would slip without saying a single word directly to or about his brother. I think we all knew that he knew and that he was making a monumental effort to hide that tidal wave of grief. So I guess to quote Sir Arthur Dane, now it begins. Thank you. That's a good a good set of owns. Very well read also, Hannah. Thank you. Yeah, once when, you got to, uh, what was it, uh, indiscriminately, mm-hmm. I was like, Impressed? This is, this is, this is going to be a nail biter. <laughs> <laughs> Spencer Fannin, at Spencer Fannin, owned Viserys, giving off those major Vader vibes in the dinner scene. At So Cute Amanda, owned to the Emmy that Patty is going to win for his performance tonight and owned to Viserys' undying love for Emma. That was heartbreaking. Spencer, owned to Damon and let him keep his tongue. Scylla Amida owned Damon for helping his brother onto the throne and putting the crown on his head. Giant disowned Alicent silencing her son's victim. Seems like a routine they had already done multiple times. Shout out to Baylor for wanting to join the boys' fight and having to be held back by Reyna. Straight Savage Cole on Twitter. My own goes to Damon for multiple things, though mainly for helping Viserys to the Iron Throne, then fucking up Vaymond. He continues to steal my heart compared to fire and blood. Hashtag brother, hashtag Lord of Flea Bottom, hashtag King of the Step Zones. Also, for good measure, we have John Webster at John Webster Film. Owen goes to Viserys for that entrance. Holy f- Cheeps. Clapping emojis. Clap, 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 clap. Cheap says, Owen to Patty Constantine for his portrayal of King Viserys, the first Targaryen. Every scene with him in this episode got me all emotional. Hashtag Viserys, you deserve better in all camps. At SBJ2K1, owned to Sir Kristen's Benjamin Buttons, Cole, who will look like a seven-year-old by the time the show ends. <laughs> At Brown Ball, owned to the sweet strong boys. It breaks my heart knowing what's to come. At TJ Hambly, my own goes to poor Lord Beesbury. Let the man finish a sentence in an episode. Smiling emoji. At Seraphim316, owned to Green Maester Orwell for keeping King Viserys alive for so long. Hashtag, where are you keeping the antibiotics? Hashtag, holding out. Hashtag, half his face is missing. Hashtag, happy porny, owned to Amond, eater of punches, drinker of toasts. TF, you smirking at bastard. At Bookishai, owned to Eamon and Damon, realizing that they're basically doppelgangers. Anthony Runyon, own goes to Damon and Dark Sister for defending the honor of the blacks. Hashtag, he can keep his tongue. Jackie Cooper, my own goes to Patty Constantine slash Viserys for the best acted episode of TV that I have ever seen. His pimp walk to the throne was epic. At Everyone's Mad Hair, owned to Viserys for finally standing his ground for Rhaenyra. Owned to Lana for calling out her shitty brother slash husband. Disowned to Allison for raising her sons on poison and then having the gall to act surprised that they turned out complete assholes. At the McRiblet, owned to that freak show of a dinner party, which would only be crazier if Robocop and Gary <laughs> Busey showed up. 
<laughs> you know who Gary Busey is? Mm-mm. You said it right, though. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Busey. <laughs> I'm so excited for you to read that. I thought you were going to say Gary Busey. Oh, I know Bussey. who this is. I've heard yeah, of the name that's before. Gary Busey. He's crazy. Dude. I've definitely heard of the name before, dude, but I don't. The guy's out of his mind. I mean, Sarah Con- I don't know him, though. I never met him. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's making that face for a joke. At Sarah Connolly, owned of Viserys for owning his dementia, I will admit I am confused. Boy, everyone will admit you're confused. But props for shutting that shit down. Callum Christopher, my own goes to the poor soldiers who carry flags and run behind Rhaenyra's coach. That's what I'm saying. John Dow, owned of Allison for putting the greens on the shit list where they belong. Just think how many girls she was has murdered to cover up for the monster she raised. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. Aiden Evans, owned to Otto's little clap at the dinner. <laughs> Kyle R. Owned Viserys for finally summoning the strength that was missing for most of his reign. I think he had everyone's respect in that moment, except for Vaman. I don't doubt that if Damon hadn't killed him, Viserys would have slowly done it. And a secondary owned to whoever wrote that scene of Alicent, giving the servant moon tea and illustrating how Alicent has come full circle, protecting and enabling her son the same way Viserys protected Renana. Wow, so Ray- true. Rhaenyra. Look at that. That that makes sense too. It's Atlas. the other side of it. Yeah, exactly. Atlas Inc. 7, owned to Jacaris Valerian, who actually seems like a person you'd enjoy hanging out with and having a beer with. Ryan S., owned to Damon for keeping Viserys from fatally impaling himself on the Iron Throne, dying five hours early. Owned <laughs> to Ramon Javadi for delivering on the king's request for music. <laughs> yeah, boy. Kate of the Endless, owned to Viserys, who saved and destroyed his little girl in one single day. Also owns to all... The Aegons for the mix-up. K2 Kav owned my queen, Rainies, who knew that there was no means to directly put her granddaughters in front of Vaymond or Lucerys for Driftmark, so opted for supporting Lucerys' claim and marrying Reyna to secure the line appropriately. At Abby Harry 2, my own this week goes to Viserys, drinking wine with a giant hole in his face. How do you do it? Have you ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> sea turtles! <laughs> Elaine Dizen. My major own goes to Viserys' solo procession to the throne where every beleaguered step resonates with the weight of the prophecy, pettiness, and stress of wearing the crown. It made Giselle's solo walk during the Rio Olympics look like a cape quack. My minor own is Eamon's wicked swagger and gaze at everyone. His mom, his dad, his uncle, and nephews. There was equal Damon, 80s glam, and underworld all wrapped into one. We now go to Facebook. It's episode eight, and I finally copied the owns from Facebook. Thank you, everybody, who was commenting over there. Um, Kimberly Davis Rice, my own goes to King Viserys Targaryen. In severe, debilitating pain, he drags himself to the throne, demands a family dinner, and tries his best with the final moments of his life to keep his family together. Trey Cigar, owned to the installation, sorry, institution of marriage by Helena. <laughs> Marta Elizabeth, Damon helping Viserys up the throne and putting on his crown. Man, that was brutal. Henry Quentin Zecker, owned to Prince Aegon for being the biggest yet most useless tool in the room. <laughs> Tiffany Prater, owned to Princess Rhaenys for staying loyal and true to her husband, Corliss. Rochelle Williams, King Viserys Targaryen gets my own for this episode. Viserys stepped up as a father and as a king and as a human being, all while dressed like the tragic anti-hero of a gothic novel. <laughs> his outfit is... I noticed that even more this episode. His outfits are really kind of through the roof they ruled his shirt <laughs> he's like i'm gonna finally silk. start dressing like a king <laughs> yeah no and absolutely murdering it what if we just started dressing like that that's what i'm saying with you can crazy just, silk frocks you can just decide that at any minute because before that he can was dressing normally expensive that would be to have that made it's he's like a a, when people get costuming done for cons they're, mm-hmm. they're spending like 1500 bucks i on know outfits. you got time for halloween moses pierre louis owned to vayman for taking 
of her talking straight before he got sliced in angles. Michelle Golden, Damon owned this episode. Even with fewer lines than everyone again, he owned this episode and proved he's the second son wrangler. <laughs> Jose Quintero owned to he can keep his tongue and Damon leaning on dark sister afterwards. I was thinking about the tip of it. I yeah. was like, is that good for the tip of that sword on this <laughs> stone floor? Angela Birmingham. Owned the pink dread for living rent-free in those kids' mind nearly a decade later. Also to Helena for being that one relative at Thanksgiving dinner who manages to make everyone feel super awkward. Poor baby. Purple heart emoji. Kaylee Sandstorm, two owns. Owned to Damon for making a clean enough slice of Vayman's head for it to be displayed at Body Worlds. <laughs> and owned That's to Patty for his Emmy worth acting. Sarah Mikeyama, owned to Damon for being his big bro's ride or die until he died. Rest in peace. Sarah Towson owned to Jace for dancing with Helena after Egan insulted his betrothed baller move right there. Jay Fuentes owned to the Phantom of the Iron Throne. <laughs> That's what I was LOLing. G Sizzle, Damon owns everything. L Ireland, owned to Viserys. He may not have been a warrior on the battlefield, but he is a warrior through and through. Lila Stan, owned to King Daddy Patty. What a performance. His Emmy campaign starts now. Tom Raider, owned to Damon's Sharpening Stone. Emily and the Goose, Owned to Patty Constantine's spectacular performance, what a mic drop for his final episode, and owned to Viserys for everything. He will be missed. Dolce Harajuku, owned to Patty Constantine for absolutely killing it as Viserys. Give that man all the Emmys. Curtis Moore official to Patty Constantine, really nothing more to be said. We will never see his like again. Flexi Jaybird, owned to Damon, breaking my heart how he was there for his brother this episode. Me too. And owned to Viserys, owned to Patty, rotting away and making me cry. Cooley's eyes owned to Helena for being the only one to enjoy dinner tonight. NSA Jack Windsor owned to that throne entrance. I haven't been moved like that since ever. Carl's Jr., Aemon Targaryen, <laughs> growing up to be the Witcher slash Fae inspired character of my dreams. Uh, L. Ireland threw in a secondary owned to Patty because he needs an Emmy. Lord Commander Tom Snow owned to Viserys for making a solo dramatic entrance to the throne room to set shit straight. Jay Beldewolf owned to Damon. Say it. Mrs. Duncan the Tall to Helena for always keeping marriage real. Gabby Trelongo, the fire dinner music. Hilarious. Damon and not having to hear Sir Kristen talk. Yay. Rachel owned to Rhaenyra for having the balls to also name her son Aegon. <laughs> we did not talk about that. Emily Mar 86 owned to Helena's toast and Otto's encouraging approval after she finished. Good. Gav Hart owned to Damon for being a loving brother. Yeah, he's encouraging, like, Dudley saying something nice about his school report. <laughs> like, oh, my God, he has the shred of kindness in him, our beautiful boy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely Angeline owned the roasted pig that set off Amond and the family dinner. Hashtag the pink dread. Slugger Rooney owned the families for finally getting their shit together for Grandpa's benefit. Briefly. Sabrina Tobin, Viserys, first of his name, Phantom of the Opera, The Walking Dead, <laughs> for still lecturing his kids to play nice. Lovely Angeline, owner of the roasted pig that set off Amon at the family dinner, hashtag the pink dread. Shayna left, Viserys, first of his name, King of the Andals, and the first men, what a G. D. Logsy, owned to that Damon and Amon stare off. Saladuin, owned to Amon's lip curl, he barely needs to speak to make me uncomfortable. Mag Hurley, owned to the looks Damon gave... Yeah, owned the looks Damon gave gave Eyepatch nephew, saying without words, "Nah, I'm the OG badass kid." Adri Solis Lopez owned to Viserys for showing up for his daughter in the end. What an episode! M. Jernigan Art 
own to Emmett Booth's tweet about how Damon realized Amon is cosplaying him. <laughs> Emmett gets an own. P94 at home, own to showing how much Allison and Rhaenyra's relationship has changed. Amy Me4, own to King Viserys for removing his mask right as everyone was about to eat. Vomit emoji. East Coast Chase, own to Viserys for making it up those steps and own to that pan over shot of the Iron Throne. Slime Barry 13, first words out of Amon's mouth gave me chills. Own to Yumu Mitchell. Also Damon and Dark Sister. Margot owned a Viserys for bringing his quarrelsome family together. Hannah's shooting air, Ramin, for making Viserys' final journey to the throne even more powerful. Goosebumps. Arlo Rocks owned this show legit better every week. Pierre Vermindelli owned to Hadi. Can't believe I actually like Amon. Almost looks like Damon's son. Sarah Connolly back owned to Patty. That's it. That's the whole own. East Coast Chase owned Helena for Loki roasting Aegon II as a husband. Tom Casanova 21. He can keep his tongue. Riles the Lion, Owen to Rhaenyra and Allison for making me verklempt with toasts. And that's it for Owens for episode eight. I have a theory about why Amon is so big. That's what I was going to say at the beginning of the uh, the own section. So here it is. Ready? I think that how a lot of living things adapt size-wise to its environment, that because he tamed Vagar, that he's also growing relative to Vagar, especially at the age that he tamed Vagar, the size of him and uh, all the different things that human bodies and really anything do, does at that, any living thing does at that stage of life is the perfect time. It's like an older guy mm-hmm. would grow a couple inches or something, but being right at that time, that blood, that connection that they have, the magic, let's just call it that. <laughs> I think that that's why he's so big, and I think it's done on purpose. I don't think they just casted him because they liked him, and they're like, we're just going to ignore the fact that he's so big. I think he's that big because of Vagar, and we'll talk more about it on Sunday. Maybe. Vagar made him a man. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 9, Sunday night. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Thank you guys for sending in your owns, and don't forget to send them in on Sunday. <laughs>